0: Hey everybody, welcome oh hold on. <laughs> Google, Google just logged me out. <laughs> Butters- shenanigans. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 182 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast Butterscotch shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam and I'm full of restful APIs. I'm Sam and I'm drinking tea today instead of coffee. And this is a show where we talk about life business and working in the games industry. Today is Dark Ember, Sunny Gleam, 20 great teen. That seems sort of contradictory. Well, no, because it's dark, but every now and then, there's a gleam. <laughs> okay,
1: <funny>.
0: <laughs> was a <Whoa>. perfect. <laughs> I have nothing to combat
1: that with. That was yeah. very
0: good. Uh, we have one. Oh, yeah. Before we started, we have a warning. Profanity and stuff. because It's going to be swears. So, yep. you know, just do whatever you got to do with that information. Uh, there's one episode left this year. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, we're going to go, record two more, but you're only going to hear one more. Mm. So uh, what does that mean, really? For Does it matter? It doesn't matter at all. all right. The sun's just going to explode in 5 billion years. Who cares? It certainly is. Uh, also, before we get started, we'd like to thank our recurring supporters <laughs> 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 over at moneygrab.bscotch.net. Uh, if you'd like to help support the podcast and help us keep our mics running, you can head on over there. And then we're, we're going to take your money. You got to keep this mic hot. Yes. Yeah, we burn the money under the, yeah. <laughs> the
1: mics. That's how you make the mic work. You have to yeah. keep it lit. It's With money. They're coal fired mics. Mm-hmm. It's <laughs> coal is just also compressed it's not on very well
0: ventilated in here, which is why we have to keep the podcast capped at an hour because of the uh, asphyxiation die. risk. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
2: well, it's not just a risk; it's just, we are just slowly asphyxiating. Mm-hmm. We're just gonna get out of here before we're legally dead. <laughs> that's
0: always true. That's just what breathing is. Slowly asphy- asphyxiating. Yeah, that's why you got to exhale because you know. If is you it dope, is you die. asphyxiating uh, the lack
2: of bringing oxygen in or the lack of putting carbon dioxide back out? Or is it both? I think. It's, Which one is it? Probably both. Well, I think says. either way. I mean, either way, you're dead. Yeah. But I wonder if it just said so we were we were talking with our dad this weekend, and he said, you know, you guys should really put together a uh, sort of. Uh, what's, what's that? Who wants to be a millionaire? Emergency. Like the, uh, the lifeline. Life life lifeline. Yeah. see, we don't even
1: know what the, what the a, fucking <laughs> word is for that. We would need to call <laughs> somebody to figure, figure that
2: out. Where we could then call them and be like, you know, okay, so we don't know what we're talking about on this particular topic. Here's an expert or whatever. And uh, Instead of bumbling around for a few minutes. I, yeah, but well, the problem is then we would just be calling people. Yeah, I think importantly, we minutes. never know
0: what the fuck we're talking about.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's another disclaimer for this podcast. Just uh,
0: we don't know. Yeah. If you're listening to this looking for actual information, you're you're doing it wrong. Yeah, go to Wikipedia. Yeah. And call and your Give them some life.
2: money. They're looking for it right now.
0: Yeah. That's true. Yeah, they're still running their thing. Seth, you gave
1: like three bucks or something. I did. I became done a, his part. I became a recurring Wikipedia. There you go. So
0: yeah. That's, that's going pretty good. So you went to moneygrab.wikipedia.com? Yep. <laughs> and they grabbed my money and uh, I, I just kind of passed it through. I went over to the... The b podcast page is like, let's just plug this in. Mm, and nice. I just we're, – we're now laundering uh, for Wikipedia. money over to Wikipedia. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. It's going pretty good for them. <laughs> <laughs> for us, I don't know what the point of that was. Uh, let's get on to some studio news. Let's talk about Levelhead. Yeah. So, let's talk yeah. About <laughs> it. Yeah, guys. Let's do it.
1: So, uh, so, yeah, Levelhead's coming along and the most exciting stuff, two parts. One is that we now have 49 levels that were built on purpose. Yeah. Which is important. Um, that essentially you're supposed to take players I like from, the idea of
2: building a level on accident. Well,
1: the, it's easy to it do in level yeah. yeah. You just trip over a rock and you've built a level. Yeah. And, like, bah, 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 and then it, the, it doesn't necessarily play well for new people. Yes. So, But sometimes it weirdly bah, does. Sometimes it does. Sometimes you have happy accidents like a Bob Ross painting sort of yeah. situation. Um, but yeah, so, so we built these 49 levels and then uh, last week we were able to run sure through them as a person who hadn't played the game too much yet. Inside the office, uh, it took like f- about four hours to beat the whole set. And interestingly, I also I also ran one of my friends through it, and and he's a gamer, but he hasn't actually played any platformers oh. at all. So this was a super so he, interesting. So he's, he's got none of the, the visual language needed. Never even played Mario. Never. Well, he played like Mario, maybe he's like twice when he was a kid. Okay,
2: I was gonna say I'm uh, pretty sure everybody when they he's were like a kid. played
1: it, but not not in any meaningful skill yeah. building way.
0: You found the one. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, a gamer who hasn't played Mario. So, so, what did he do?
1: It was very interesting watching because it took him forever to accomplish most things. Because, of course, it's hard. Yeah. It's actually a very hard game at the end of the day. Um, and so the skill cap is really, really high on it. Uh, but mainly it was very amusing because I think he's also just the sort of person who zones in on like some semi arbitrary goal. So, he'll see a coin that he just decides he wants to get. <laughs> sure. And then he'll just die like a hundred times in service of trying to get that coin. And then as soon as he gets it, he's like, oh, shit, because he still has the rest of the level. <laughs> he gets, <laughs> he gets so, the tunnel vision. Yeah. So it was it was very interesting to watch. I still got a bunch of good notes. Um, but it brings up this really interesting issue with sort of the question of testing your game. Because if you're not testing it on the core demographic that you're targeting, then you can accidentally sort of like, you know, shape it wrong for that other group. Because basically what I, what I was noticing is uh, when Sure was playing it, I only made a few things a little bit easier in different parts uh, to sort of remove frustration from places where it didn't seem like it should be. But uh, watching this friend of mine play, I could have, like, softened down everything. You could just rebuild the whole game. I, I basically should have rebuilt the whole game in order to sort of accommodate this way different pace of, of learning and everything else. Oh. Uh, the problem is that it would actually be super
0: boring for people who have played, you know, platformers generally. So this begs the question, what if there was a, a uh, sort of – when you first start playing, you can choose what your experience is, and we can insert like five or ten sort of real like buffer levels. turbo rookie buffer. Well, the levels. thing is, those
1: those first thirteen levels do that already, where they sort of onboard people in. It's just that once they get out of that, like those, those that's are, not the problem. Yeah, then. that's yeah. not the problem. So, so it, it's a super interesting thing. So We got another play. But those yesterday. same people
2: wouldn't survive the community levels, correct? Exactly, because they're gonna be so hard
1: and chaotic. Yeah. And yeah. If you if you cannot beat my campaign levels, then you will be. You would be torn asunder. Does that mean we need just more mid-tier levels? But for not
2: not for like a core player, but like as I said, the saying, not, not necessarily do we need to pad the one in the front? Mm-hmm. But do we need even like another track? For I don't think so,
1: noobs. I think it's just sort of thing where it's. I mean, think about Super Meat Boy, right? Yep, it's so, just hard. It's just hard as shit. Yeah, and like if someone picks it up and they haven't played any platforms before, that's gonna be a bit of a rough entry, you know. Even but because, the, the important
0: thing is that is that. It's if it's hard, you can still understand. Yes, what you need to do. Yeah, yeah.
1: There, there wasn't a point where he was like,
0: "Oh, I died because the game killed
1: me," or you know, whatever else. Um, and so he was
0: always uh taking ownership of his own failures. Yes, which that's, that's the whole the requirement. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: So it was it was very interesting to watch. I'm I'm curious to get this other playtest in today and then uh, you know make whatever changes. But um, it, it is it the does... thing about platformers and and similar and like puzzles and similar kinds of games.
2: Where well, there is no difficulty thermostat. Yeah. You know, there's nothing you can – there's no knobs you can turn and just make it easier. easier or now it's harder or whatever. Uh, Unlike in a, a crafting game or a, well, really any other game, actually. Yeah, you but, have to
1: rely on the player's skill. Yep. And then as a level designer, you have to try to make sure they have the skills before they hit the point where they really need them.
2: Yeah. That's- but if you miss as a the designer, then you just – it's like a puzzle, right? A puzzle you can either figure it out or you can't. Those are your, Those are your two yep. – Stages and as a level designer for this kind of a level, it's the same deal. You either make something successfully for the kind of user who's going to experience it right. or you don't. And if you don't, they just have a
1: really hard time and there's no kind of – no mm-hmm. way around that. So yeah. So I'm going to see kind of how the test goes today and then
0: figure out – Well, this know. is a, this is an interesting challenge I think we, we didn't have with Crashlands so yeah. much. Because with Crashlands, the goal was to make a much more chilled out game that had optional – Difficult yeah. things. So, so the the main people often comment on how it's it's interesting that the core boss fights against Hugo Duco are far easier than the side bosses that are mm-hmm. totally optional. We said, well, yeah, because you don't have to beat those side bosses, but you do have to beat right. Hugo, right? And so, if we made Hugo impossible to beat um, or extremely hard to beat, then most players would end up hitting mm-hmm. a wall and then just getting upset and then not wanting to play anymore. Right. Um, and so with Levelhead, it's kind of the I mean the, the whole think, core of the game is the is the it's hard, stuff. hard stuff. Yeah. yeah. So
1: I think I think it's that interesting thing where you don't you at some point we have to decide and make a stance about who we're building the game for, right? Yeah. Uh, and then that just has to be who it's for. And it's I mean it's already happened where I, you know, I've play tested it with with my wife and she's she can do those first thirteen sort of on board, but then after that it starts getting stressful because the game does ratchet up in terms of its difficulty and stress level and stuff. Um, it's like not her sort of game, which has been super interesting for me because I don't. I don't think we've actually built a game that that pushes like people like pushes that. people out in an interesting way. Well, Flop um,
0: Rocket, Flop Rocket, yeah, Flop Rocket was probably the that one pushed other one. people
1: out real fucker. yeah. yeah. But but I think this the, is closer to Flop Rocket actually yeah. than anything else we have built.
0: Probably. Yeah, so it, it's important to recognize what the point of the game is, and it's not to give people an incredibly soothing and relaxed Correct. experience. It's to make you feel like a. Like a total badass when you finally beat a level, right? After like 40 which which does assignment. mean that yeah, there's there's certain uh, people who have certain personalities or whatever that's not necessarily going to mesh with. Mm-hmm. And we we basically have we have two options now. We're at a fork in the road, which is we could either just kind of you know shave off every rough edge mm-hmm. and and turn it into a sort of a bland like you, yeah, there's 50 levels in the campaign, but you kind of just get handed the win and yeah. it's very chill, you know. Uh, or we could just try to refine the, the core vision of the thing, which is to just make some really hard shit, but mm-hmm. that is beatable and clearly understandable. I guess even
2: with like, so one of my favorite games just ever was the old Super Mario World on mm-hmm. SNES. Yeah. Which even in, in like into adulthood, I, every once in a while, I would like go in and just like replay the entirety of, which not gonna do the whole thing in like, you know, a short a day. day. Yeah. yeah. Because uh, I have played it so much, like I still like in my mind, I've forgotten basically everything in the universe. But somehow in my mind are still all of the fucking levels of, mm-hmm. this, of this. game. <laughs> and I'm thinking about it, and I, and and so you know the, that early island, there's you know, there's a handful of levels on, and you kind of move up to the next spot where you get the feather for the first yeah. time, right? And I'm thinking about how much harder that level is, yeah. Than like everything else has happened before and actually just how much skill it takes because now all of a sudden you have to like deal with flying right to completely new skill and they don't there's there's a football players that yeah they don't teach you to use there's football players that are throwing these balls at you Mm -hmm. right and there are these like diving creatures that are flying at you and so now all of a sudden like this game which was it was easy pretty dang easy but only for like five levels or something right uh all of a sudden like rationed up the challenge enormously and then right after that you have things like there's like the cave when you go after the side you know with like where the wall is chasing you you know mm-hmm. like they, they actually retro the difficulty really fast yeah. i now realize in retrospect yeah.
1: um the difference is in a game like that is that you had two hit points right? Yeah. so you didn't die whenever you
0: got hit you died after you got hit twice if you didn't like manage yeah. pick up but they up. Yeah. were very stingy with checkpoints yeah was they, there was, there was, was usually stingy. one checkpoint there's halfway one. through the level yeah. and yeah. that and then that was it
1: yeah versus the way we tend to do is like you die on contact with everything there is no <laughs> there is no 2HP situation, but the checkpoints are much more generous. So – and that's actually been the really interesting thing about it is I found that I can move – if I can move a checkpoint just like one hazard further into a level, then just people won't it. give up on it. Yeah, You just skip like one yeah. thing that was just kind of an annoying thing they had, that they had to do before the challenging thing that they were doing and they're fine. They're like, OK, that's fine. i yeah. keep on going.
0: Well, and you were talking about how you have to understand how the segments of your level uh, break down in terms of the way people respond to it. Yes. So. So if you have a a section of the level that's incredibly hard that people die on frequently, um, you can actually put the checkpoint further back than that Mm -hmm. uh, so that if somebody dies, they will need to clear a few more obstacles before they get back to the really hard part. But you can't do that. If the thing they have to get past first is like a mo- is like a boring mundane, like here, grab an object, if it's carry just it, like, pick, pick up yeah, ten if it's coins. Just pick up a few coins yeah.
1: or something, yeah. Because basically what you're doing is you're making is, them
0: replay a boring thing. Yeah,
1: re- if replaying something that has no skill attached to it is is whole horrible. In fact, or
2: even if there is skill attached, but it's just like a. Because so, I'm thinking about this with with Hollow Knight, because Hollow Knight is also very stingy with its checkpoints, yeah. like crazy stingy mm-hmm. with its checkpoints. And the reason I ended up leaving the game and haven't gone back was because there was this one part where it was actually very hard to get from where I was from my checkpoint to where I needed to be. Mm. And once I got there, it was like 10 times harder than that, right? So it was just hard and then super hard. And that hard part lasted – like I would skip as much of it as I could, but I couldn't really skip Mm. it all. And so that really – that hard part was basically like three minutes long.
0: That's pretty fucking long. Yeah. (laughs) And
2: then the super hard part was – I don't know how long because I never You people, just would right? die instantly. But, yeah, it, was it was just, like, it it was just it was like waves of enemies coming yeah. in. And uh, and it was it was that kind of a thing. And, and I, there were similar cases in that game also where yeah, the hard. checkpoint is just so far away from where you want to be. They're just running through a thing you run through a thousand times. Like you got, you're killing some enemies again, whatever. And sometimes it's easy. Sometimes it's super hard. Uh, but that was the thing that also kicked me out the last time too mm-hmm. was just that the distance between a checkpoint and a hard thing I needed to do was always so long and filled yeah. with stuff that I just didn't need to be doing over and over yeah. again.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. So you gotta you balance these things out, such that because basically what you want to do is I, I don't care if someone leaves after beating a level in the campaign if they're like I need a break because I actually when I played Super Meat Boy it took me like I think two weeks to beat that game but what happens yeah. I'd play it in like thirty five to forty five minute bursts and then I'd like you beat map. one level yeah I mean, not go take God. a shower get on the sweat <laughs> <laughs> often and, and then yeah you'd just go leave and then you would like
0: have the thousand yard stare for a couple <laughs> of hours just kind of
1: yeah, yeah. you literally like you almost have to do that in the in really difficult games because your brain
0: has to sort of like. Soothe and compile, yeah, what just, just happened. process right. everything. And um, then you, but then what'll happen oftentimes too is maybe you'll get really stuck on a level, uh, you can't beat it. Yeah. Then you, you take a break. And you come back the next day and then you just one shot yeah. Like that. <laughs> yeah, that's 100% true. Yeah. Which yeah. is actually something it's just like real life problems. Yeah, you know, this is something this is something that I, you know, when when learning how to play piano or anything like that, you'd often hear stories of musicians being like, yeah, like there was this one piece and I just couldn't get I I practiced it for 3 hours and I just kept stumbling over this one part and I just couldn't fucking get it. Went like went home, took a nap, you know, went to bed or whatever, came back the next day and then just boop, boop, boop. Yep. no problem, just straight through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think you you just need to kind of like let your brain problem solve. And so we have to recognize what kind of game we're making and just be okay with yeah what it is. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Because if you if you try to defy what the game is, then you're going to end up with some really uncomfortable designs. Yeah, definitely. So, um, so then the other thing that we that we got in Levelhead this past week was exposure bucks. Yeah, which <laughs> so we had talked. I think. Two, two or three episodes ago. We talked about it a few times. Yeah, yeah about this, uh, the the problem of discoverability in these kinds of games where you might build a level and then nobody plays it. And this is a, a big complaint that we see in the Mario Maker community is that, that those levels in that game, which is one of the, that is the most popular uh, game in the genre of level head. Um, and one of the biggest complaints people have is they'll build a level and then th- that's it. They have no way to get other people to play it. And so um, so we actually have now in Levelhead two avenues to get your – actually several avenues mm-hmm. to get your level played. Uh, one is if people subscribe to you, then your levels just get delivered to your followers. Um, so if you make really good stuff and you get a bunch of followers, then just boom, you get a bunch of plays as soon as you publish a thing. Um, but then the other way is, is to solve the problem of what if you don't? If you don't have those followers, right. then when you build your, your level, it first gets published into the, the test lab. Mm-hmm. Which I think we were calling like the QA basement or yeah. something. But the idea is we don't know anything about this level and it's just like we don't know how hard it is. We don't know what kind it is or anything like that. And we just need people to play it. So when it go, when your level goes into the test lab, uh, you can then go play other people's levels in the test lab to accumulate what we're now probably calling exposure bucks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you just go play other people's <laughs> levels and you get compensated for testing those other levels with exposure bucks. Mm-hmm. You then dump exposure bucks into your levels and it boosts them up the queue to the point where I – mean, uh,
1: Basically the first thing people see when they open it
0: up. Right. Because what we know – what we know from our own experience in publishing games mm-hmm. is that people don't scroll. Correct. They don't – and they and they rarely look past the first – oftentimes one thing on a list – like if you ever if you ever Google search for something, like what do you do? You scroll past the ads, and then you click on the first fucking thing <laughs> right. after the ads. Well,
2: mm-hmm. people scroll when when they actually don't want anything that's being shown, right? It's so like if yes. you're on Netflix, and you find yourself scrolling. Just stop being on Netflix because because you're I've already lost. You've already decided, decided. You've already, you've already decided <laughs> that nothing is of, of interest, you know? Yeah, and of course, as they do with games, right? If you if you start if you have to scroll. That's because, like, there aren't any games that you want
0: right now. Or you just don't want to play games right now. or you and You're just lying either. to yourself exactly. about it, which we'll talk totally about possible, later because yeah. I have thoughts on that. Um, so so the idea is then what we've, what we've sort of created is almost a bidding system right? where if you don't have any followers, you can still make people see your level. Yeah. By pushing it to the top of the list, by accumulating exposure bucks, by testing other people's levels, and then spending those exposure bucks on your levels, boost them up the list, boom, you're good. Mm-hmm. Um, and so – this is also there's gonna be a lot of churn here because uh, once a level gets enough plays, then it gets kicked out of the test lab and it goes up into the tower, mm-hmm. which is where all of the now like tested levels go. And so um, there's a, a sort of a, a time limit on how long a level's gonna stay at the top of that list, and it's probably not very long actually. Yeah. So if you so if you kind of like depending on time of day, there's gonna be like surges of levels being published mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And so maybe it'll be the case, that like, maybe if you're in Australia, it's cheaper, it's cheaper to publish levels <laughs> because – Cheaper in exposure bucks. Right. Uh, not like, but real, we're, not, we're not charging real money for this course. Um, I, I say, of course, as if that's a given. Yeah. We're we're not, like a lot of <laughs> other companies would, would try to do that, I'm sure. Yeah. So, uh, yes, yeah, so we tested this out last week and it, it's really interesting.
1: Yeah. Um, well, it's cool because essentially what it does now is it – so we, we've been talking about finalizing the actual loop in the game. And the problem we've had is that you can play levels, you can build levels, but there's nothing quite that was linking the two of them together. Um, so the QA basement, this whole test chamber idea, well, when it comes to these exposure books, essentially what the loop is now is you maybe you'll hop in the campaign, you'll play for a while, and then you'll unlock a bunch of new goodies because you hit some new point in the campaign. And then you're like, oh, cool, I'm going to go build level, go build level. And then when you publish it, it says, you know, oh, you just publish this level if you want it like to get plays and to get plays faster you know, go play through a few levels in the test chamber and it'll give you some exposure bucks. You can do some of the things. So now you go play five, 10 levels and then you just dump all your points into that thing and then you see it go in and then it disappears. And then now you're getting notifications about how many plays it's getting out in out in the wild. So it's this really cool thing where like the whole, the circle's finally closed basically where previously it has not been the last.
2: Few well, <laughs> it's also nice because it gives you no matter who you are, it gives you a, a guaranteed sort of. X number of plays from other people on the levels that you make. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then after that, the rest is on you. So if you didn't make a good level, then once you get past those guarantees, like that's probably the end of it, right? If you made a really good one, then maybe some of those people who played your levels are going to follow you now Mm -hmm. to see the
1: other levels or share it around or whatever else. Right.
2: Right. So, So
0: everybody will have every, every person who plays this game, this is a, this is a crazy claim, but I realize it's actually true. Every person who plays this game will have the, the opportunity and the ability to put their level at the top of the list. Yeah. For at least some amount of time, Mm -hmm. right? Very short. Uh, It'll probably be very short because either you'll be outbid or your level will pass the test. It'll – as in like it'll get enough players and enough plays that it gets bumped out. So then the the next kind of I think obvious question is, okay. so you've got this this testing basement where you just got this very specifically ordered list of levels um, that are not – that are not vetted for quality or anything. They're just in there and anybody who makes a level – can push that level to the top of the list mm-hmm. right uh, with enough effort so so if you are looking for good levels to play how does how do you reconcile this system with that and so this is where that uh, tower comes in mm-hmm. so we we basically need to frame it properly but where the testing test lab or test chamber whatever it is is basically the wild west of levels hmm it's just chaos in there. Uh, things are not sorted by difficulty. You can't look them up by by topic or tag or anything. Mm-hmm. It's just a an ordered list, top to bottom. And so uh, – but we also assume that when people play those levels, if, the, if they open up a level that is clearly fucked up where like they can't get past the first one and a half seconds because it's clearly rigged around some kind of a bug or mm-hmm. whatever it is, they're going to boot that level up, play it briefly and be like – Fuck this and then leave and then go to the next level on the list because people still want to have a good time even if they're playing Mm -hmm. test levels. And so uh, as that happens, we are accumulating statistics on how people engage with these levels. Mm -hmm. So if we find that the average player jumps into your level, plays it for one and a half seconds and quits, then by the time it gets out of, of the testing chamber, it is now at the bottom of the best Levels right. sorting. So we, out. we basically
1: want, once you get out of QA, nobody, nobody will actually, see it ever. Again. Nobody will
0: ever see it again. Yeah. Once <laughs> levels go into
1: the tower, they are actually they are actually ranked by essentially a, a metric that we're making in the background to to uh, to try to guess you know the best stuff. So the nice thing about this is it, it it actually separates the population because a lot of people who play platformers, for example, don't actually want to build levels. Or maybe you know in fifty hours of playing, after they have played a ton of levels, maybe at that point they're like, I want to I want to try this. But not everyone's going to want to do it immediately. So what what this allows you to do is if you're just a player and you want to come in and just play like a bunch of really good, you know, platforming levels or puzzle levels or whatever else, then you can literally go to the tower. You search for it, search for it certain difficulties, and then you're just there having an infinite level smorgasbord and having a good time. Um, But if you're the sort of player who wants to, you know, be on the fringes and like make these – make levels for people, then you also have this completely separate avenue for doing that. So it's this really cool uh, duality that I think was going to be super fun to see kind of how it plays out with you players
0: yeah you're, you're going to end up with the people who are really passionate about building levels almost exclusively spending their time in the workshop and the test chamber yeah and they'll just be like playing each other's levels and stuff and then everybody else also benefits because mm-hmm. good no, stuff they like uh, yeah if, if all you want to do is play good levels you don't have to go in there mm-hmm. you don't have to go, you don't have to get exposure bucks or you don't have to publish you don't have to do any of that stuff you could just boot it up and play good shit mm-hmm. and it's a piece of cake
2: and if you do so, publish a level you also don't have to go play other
0: people's levels if you don't want to. It's just that now since you're not
2: giving back to the community, they don't have to give back to you. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Your level still you, published. Other people could find it if they know what the share code is and go find it on purpose, right? Yeah. But, you could
0: tweet it out. Yeah. You could uh, – maybe if you've got subscribers in the game, you know, they'll get your level and they'll play it. Yeah. So you might actually
2: – so people who are who are doing really well might then get pulled up out of, yeah. out of the test basement anyway even without actually going in there yeah. themselves. So, yeah. What,
0: what you would have is people who are really popular creators actually – we assume, like, well, they're popular because they're making good stuff. Yeah, and so they don't really have to. They don't to, need to go. They don't need to engage with the masses. They can right. just like <laughs> they publish their level. It'll get enough plays from their own their own uh, fan Followers base or whatever team. that yeah. it'll just automatically. Yeah. Pass so the test. idea is that
2: we provide a mechanism for those people who don't already have that. Yep. Then, which is most people. Which is most people. And then for those that do, then they don't have to participate.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I'm I'm really excited to watch the bidding wars unfold as people mm-hmm. dump. Mountains of yeah, exposure The, the part I'm the
2: most – word is not quite the right word, but the most unsure about how we're going to solve exactly is the timing part because things get downloaded from the, – like the level gets downloaded. Like you, you do a search to find out what the top exposure bucked levels are, right? Yeah. Uh, but that search is going to be stale the instant you get those results back. Yeah. Uh, because the mm. top levels are also being yeah. played by other people right now, right?
0: Yeah.
2: And so if that cap – even if the cap is fairly like medium, you know? So say like it needs like 50 players and like a 1,000 players or something like that, which sounds like a lot, except that if, if that thing is at the top of a search
1: result. Oh, yeah. It's going to be. It's going to Everyone's going to download it. And yeah. It's going
2: to instantly have those numbers. And now we need to get it off of that list as fast as possible. But yeah. everybody's already done the search,
0: right?
1: Yes.
2: So we have a really interesting conundrum that we're going to have to figure out. I, I have no idea how we're going to solve
0: it. I've got some ideas. But it's very it's very in the weeds. So <laughs> okay, we, yeah. We do <laughs> uh yeah, so th- there are definitely some interesting challenges with this kind of a system. As always. Uh but yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. All right, let's talk about industry news. The battle continues. Uh all right. So the past couple of weeks, it's been uh Steam. So it was two weeks ago, it's only been two weeks. Steam <laughs> announced that they were gonna be changing their royalty mm-hmm. breakdown. Normally it's thirty percent across the board where Steam takes basically a third of your money. Uh, for publishing on Steam. Um, and that has been the industry standard across all platforms. You know, no matter who you are or whatever you're publishing on, any distributor who's digital distributor is basically just taking 30%. Um, Epic the Creators of Fortnite came out uh, the two days later or the next day or something. It was next
2: week, but yeah.
0: The next – It was the next week. Week?
2: Yeah. It doesn't matter, okay. but that is what happened. Yeah. They so, came out with an 88-12 split.
0: They came out with an 88-12 split uh, and then they said – We're also – yes, we're opening up our own store. It's going to be an 88-12 split Um, and then that has started a big sort of like speculation about what's going to happen in the industry now because they're also clearly getting a lot of really good developers. A bunch Mm -hmm. of developers are ditching Steam uh, and it's just causing a lot of turbulence. Mm -hmm. So then uh, one thing we also know is that Discord opened up their store a while ago, six months ago? I don't Mm -hmm. know, four months? Some time ago and – that hasn't really seemed to have had the impact on on the industry that maybe we would have anticipated. Because if you think Discord has a co- couple hundred million users and you would think – and it's also built around a gaming audience and you would think that if they open up a store in Discord mm-hmm. that that's a, the perfect opportunity. Um, but something about it didn't really seem to to stick and we we were able to kind of – Uh, discern this by looking at things like, like looking at games that were being launched in the discord store. And oftentimes they would link to that community's discord server Mm -hmm. and even games that were featured at the very top uh, for a long period of time. You'd look at their discord server and they would still only have a couple hundred people in there. So it didn't seem like it was somehow transferring whatever. Yeah. Right. Um, And so, so something about that wasn't quite going. And then, uh, Disc, so Discord, I think, is probably trying to figure out, like, what can we do to to get, to get like, kickstart this thing? And so Discord came out Friday or something mm-hmm. and said, hey, we're doing a 90-10 split now. Uh, yep. We're not doing a 70 And we're going to open it up to any
2: developer because the original plan, as I understood it, was that it's going to be a carefully curated thing. And, and in fact, that was what they were selling for the platform was that – Yep. Was High like, hey, quality. Hey, we know Steam. You can't find anything because it's mm-hmm. all a pile of garbage with some good stuff on top. And they are like, we're not going to do that. We're just going to have the good stuff, right? And that was that was kind of their whole pitch originally. My So my impression is that that has – that's my second th- reason why I think that this has not worked out is because the only reason you would do that and then like open it up and, and go directly against your original rationale for why you were doing it was because that first thing didn't work. Yeah. Um, so – I, don't know, I think it's a bit concerning to me for Discord because I like Discord as a company. Mm-hmm. I like their product. Uh, but if they were banking on being a store, uh, it's not looking so good. And so then I don't know mm-hmm. what that means for Discord. Yeah, well, and, and I
0: think there's an interesting th- – this bidding war now of the royalty split is cl- is is aimed purely at developers. Yeah, and there's players a, don't give a fuck. Yeah, there's an interesting mm-hmm. problem here, which is, yeah, players just want to play a good game and – it should be easy to get and and play. And right?
2: they and they might want you know some additional sort of meta level things from the the thing distributing the game. I don't know if that's really true. I don't know, I don't know how important it is. Like, I think achievements you, and these I kinds think of things the, are.
1: The the ninety percent of the gravity comes from the game with something like these. Yeah, so well, d- d- yeah, definitely.
0: Them. And so so this is where I think there's there's a problem because Epic is clearly using their eighty eight twelve plus probably a bunch of Fortnite money mm-hmm. to get a bunch of developers who are making really high quality stuff to do exclusives on the Epic mm-hmm. Store. Um, and Discord did have some exclusives but they weren't necessarily these like big name they weren't yeah, things people were games. excited about. Yeah. And so um, and it was and it probably is the case that because of because they were originally doing a, a 30 70 split then it's and and it's an unknown quantity, platform. it's a new platform. Yeah. It's really hard to get people to well, agree...
2: Well, it's not that they they actually just don't have the money because you know the I I know that they raised something like 200 million
0: dollars in capital for their last round of funding or like
2: a, a, yeah. which sounds like a fucking incredible amount of money and it is but
0: when well, with it comes to million a million users and ever you you're well, I know running a right? server infrastructure yeah.
2: but but more importantly when it comes to to a game if you're a developer and you're trying to sell your game somewhere the the range of income you can make off of that thing or the revenue is between 0 or I guess a loss, right? right. But I guess we revenue. revenue zero, yeah, yeah. So revenue <laughs> zero to just the sky, right? Like it can go fucking anywhere. You can
0: billions a year. Yeah,
2: people have made twenty million dollars off of a game, fifty million dollars off of a game, whatever. That doesn't happen to almost anybody, but it does happen. So now you're a developer, and then somebody says to you, "Hey, we want to give you a deal where we'll pay you a bunch of money up front for you to be exclusive on our platform, right? The amount that they have to pay you is enough to has to be enough to offset." The chance—the chance that you might have made twenty million dollars off of that game, whatever. Right, right? right, which means they have to pay a lot, yeah, even for like a medium game in order to. Because again, nobody, nobody knows what, yeah. whether
0: a medium game, quote medium, will actually just right. go crazy. It's, it's quite unpredictable, right? Because you could you could look at a game like Minecraft and be like, what the "Fuck is this?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. right. And so it it looks looks like, most people didn't. Yeah, right? this looks yeah. like and shit. And that's a that's a billion dollar it's, game, right? Yeah. So and so
2: so now you're, now now somebody like Discord. Is in a position where they have to say, okay, well, if we want exclusive titles so that people have a reason, a specific reason to come to us, then we can either have like three or four. Right. And that's going to use yep. up all of our fucking capital that mm-hmm. we just raised. Uh, or we can go for more like – we can try to find sort of like maybe of maybe some gems indie, yeah, that, that nobody knows about yet where the indies are like scared that they might not make any money at all mm-hmm. or whatever. So like whatever we can give them, they're just going
0: to be like super pumped that they don't right. have to quit. We pay a lot games. less but promise featuring and other stuff. Exactly. Right.
2: Yeah. And and that seems to be what their model is, uh, which I think probably has to be because even though they have a fuck ton of money,
1: it costs a fuck.
2: Ton they don't have. They, they cost don't cost have enough, a yeah, fuck yeah, ton of yeah. money. They don't have enough left over. Yeah, it, and so we? what they've ended up with is these sort of like indie titles that nobody like. I hadn't heard of any of their exclusives. I'd literally just never heard of them. Mm-hmm. I also don't keep a strong pulse on on uh, the the indie. Industry, so I don't really know what's going the on indi- anyway industry the in the industry <laughs> uh, so I don't know maybe maybe people were very aware of these I, I'm not sure um, but but I didn't know about any of those things and even actually their titles in general uh, it's a lot of like kind of older pretty successful right, games uh,
0: but, but significantly it's like older. roller coaster tycoon and stuff yeah there's like yeah. some
2: pretty old stuff in there and then a lot of indie stuff I and mean, some really like critically acclaimed indie stuff but but not so many like huge blockbusters mm-hmm. right uh, is what's basically what they have in their store. And so they do have a nicely curated list. Like it seems like it's all good games, but it's also not the games that everybody already knows about, but they're in a weird position anyway, because like they, they built their whole thing on top of all these other platforms. And so,
0: yeah, it's very, yeah. And the thing, the thing that I keep coming back to is, is what is the value proposition to players? And and I think for, for discord, it basically comes down to like, well, you're here already. Yeah. You know, like that's that can be, that can be uh, enough. Um, but you also need to be like, well, you're here already, and like, while you're here, why don't you check out our amazing uh catalog of extremely high quality? Well, that's why they have.
2: That's why they have the whole Nitro. Like, if you are in Nitro, you get just access to a subset of the games for free, and you know they have all that stuff in there. Um, but the thing is, like, that doesn't if you (laughs) that doesn't make you any money. That just costs you money, right? So, like, if if you're doing Nitro as like a subscription service, they had to pay the developers presumably to. Mm -hmm. Be a part of that because they had to guarantee that they were gonna they were gonna make some money off of that. Right. Yeah, and, and I'm, so I'm that still means a... it's probably just a net cost for Discord to like run a service like that. Yeah, which means they're operating at a loss probably on that part, which is the part that people now just get more free because they're already in Discord, right? So they were getting free stuff. And they bought Nitro because they wanted to support Discord. Now they also get free games. Well, that's great. <laughs> but why yeah. would they then go and like buy other games? Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah,
0: I'm, I'm still a big believer that. For games, I, I think this isn't necessarily true for something like Netflix or whatever because it's a very passive medium. But I think for games, I think a subscription service is bad. Yeah. Um. In the sense that, uh, like I I have Nitro on Discord and I I opened up the list and I'm like, oh fuck, apparently I have all these games now. I yeah. just bad I North, yeah, there. Bad Park Saurus. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of have been to
2: try. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um. There's there's a bunch. I think those ones are not necessarily in the Nitro subscription, right. but but there were a bunch in the nitro tooth and tail. Yeah. There were a bunch of nitro that I had been wanting to play for a long time. And all of a sudden I had all of them. And for some reason I couldn't bring myself to download any of them. (laughs) (laughs) I I looked at all the lists and I was like, well, I'll get back to these later. But it kind of reminds me of that sort of like weird, uh, uh, what's the word? Like that weird kind of malaise that sets in when you're looking at the Netflix front page and you're just like choice paradox. Yeah. You're in, you're in choice paralysis mode. Um, Which is interesting that something like the Epic Store is just doing like, hey, one free super fucking good game every two weeks, Mm -hmm. which is a very different thing because I made sure to get on there and download Subnautica. Yep. Which, by the way, will still be free
2: while you're listening to this podcast. So go get that.
0: Yeah. And so it's like, hey, here's one just fucking amazing game that we know you're going to love because it has the stamp of approval from Mm -hmm. every person in the universe. Versus, hey, here's two hundred games. I don't know. But <laughs> good luck. Some of them are probably good. There's a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Some of them well, are I want to get back to that because now that, I have to right? do a bunch of fucking research. <laughs> yeah, but so now compare Epic
2: versus Discord, right? So Epic is not is not is effectively has like the subscription thing, right? Except it's completely free. Yeah. Um, but it's, they're rolled out every two weeks, right? They're giving you a reason to come back every yeah.
0: week. I don't have to choose either. I can. You don't have to I choose. Just, up, there's you just a really good thing. game,
2: and it's a really good game, which. What's importantly means because like, that first one is Subnautica, right? Subnautica, they are not in need of cash. They're doing fucking great. Yeah. They've sold an ungodly number of copies of this game, Rightly. which means that if Epic came to them and said, "Hey, we want to give your game away for free on our storefront," because that money. also means that also means that any player who's aware of that is not going to go fucking buy it on the other yep. platforms it's on because they can go get it for free yeah. for those two whole fucking weeks which during is December. During December, yeah. Which means, <laughs> which so- means that Epic had to pay had to directly pay an blue, ungodly amount of yeah. money mm-hmm. and they to did. those developers. They could and they did. And they could and they did. And yeah. I think – so they're they're in a position where they can actually pull this off potentially because the amount of money required to do it, to to offer this kind of – to not only just say you can have a game for free, but like you can have one of the best available mm-hmm. games for free. And yeah, there's just – nobody else can come close to that. The capital required or, or when it comes to the exclusives, right? Yeah. You can't just say, well, yeah, we've got exclusives, but we actually have some of the best exclusives. Like the fact that the next super giant is an exclusive early access on their platform. It's all good. Again, like. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, so what worries me about this uh, is just that I feel like Discord is doubling down on a bad move. Yeah. I think the subscription service was probably not the way to go if you want to create the feeling of like an extremely curated, high quality premium platform. Um, by just populating it with a bunch of older games, just to like have stuff in the catalog mm-hmm. that people now just already have on accident. Um, because like to, to get people to care about something, they need to get it on purpose, not like just. Well, have I think it. They, I
2: think what they were doing with the the mistake they made is they got people to care more about Nitro. Yeah. Right. Right. Which was this almost pointless thing that is that you just you don't need so strongly to like use Discord. You don't need their whole like Nitro upgrade mm-hmm. thing. Um. You don't need it to the point that it's almost like I actually didn't buy. I wanted to support Discord, but I felt weird about buying it because it
1: doesn't have. If they had just to said
2: like, I, if you just give us forty bucks, like we'll feel great about that. Like we'll give you a badge or something, right? Like something that literally did nothing. I'd be like, okay, cool. I feel way better about this, right? But the fact that they were just selling me these like very minor upgrades Serbs that I didn't need, <laughs> that I didn't need at all, yeah. and sort of like they had kind of they almost admitted it, like in the thing, you know, uh, there was something that actually felt worse about that. Mm-hmm. And I kind of think that they did like this. They just doubled down on this with the uh, with the nitro because now like now you bought a thing for no reason just because you wanted to support discord and now all of a sudden you get free games too on yeah, accident. For, well, on well, accident.
0: but then but then I, I think the issue is is by opening up the platform they're no longer differentiating themselves from steam you yeah. know i mean and i think that was the original point was saying like hey we're going to be like really highly curated and stuff um and the biggest gripe that players now have about steam is the volume of games yeah um, well if you really want to if you really want a floodgate to open up, just take away all the curation, you know? So
2: it was just when we wonder if they're going to do, because they, they were talking about doing this and I guess they didn't say like when in 2019, but they said it's it sort of the implication was like literally when the new year starts. So which would be a pretty fast turnaround. Um, the question is like, what kind of tool are they going to have for developers to upload their stuff? You know, yeah. that's going to be, that's, if, if you're going to have an open platform, right, then it's going to be a hard one. Um But then is there going to be any featuring opportunity at all? Is that going to be a thing? Like, how's that going to work? Uh, How's our discoverability going to work? Because the whole reason that they launched as a curated storefront was to have to not solve discoverability. Right. That's the only – that is literally the only reason to have a niche storefront that just has a certain subset of games in It's not because that's good but because discoverability is so hard. It's a good idea to not try to solve that problem if you can help it. Yes. Because it just – it isn't – yeah, it just isn't better – to be on a storefront that isn't Steam, just because Steam has too many games. Like that's that is a nutty, ludicrous. Right. Thing, right? <laughs> it's because it's hard to find the good games, and Steam Which does means you got to solve it
0: better than Steam, right?
2: Steam yeah. does a, a remarkably good job, actually, of surfacing content. Yeah, um, and and they've been they've been working on it for a decade, right? Uh, especially the past five, and it's years. a hard ass problem. It's a very hard problem. So hard ass hard ass problem. Hard-ass problem. Yeah. So if you're if you're <laughs> gonna go now, walk into the space and just you know suddenly open up your floodgates and try to and then try to take them on, it's kind of it's just hard to imagine that happening well. Because probably what's gonna happen is that it, there will be some subset of people who love Discord and prefer it. They'll use Steam to find the games they want, and then if those games are also on Discord, they'll go buy. It. So it's actually, how people use GOG. Yeah, I was gonna say it's a, it's a GOG
0: yeah. situation, which doesn't necessarily bode well Uh, yeah so we'll kind of see i I think we're kind of at the cusp of of potentially some interesting fracturing happening um across the pc distribution we'll keep our eyes on it yeah we'll keep our eyes on it we'll we'll keep everyone apprised we'll wildly speculate with no basis uh for our opinions as we do that's how you do podcasting. do we have any (laughs) do we want to make any like explicit predictions at this point I think uh, over the next couple of years, the Epic Store is going to take a pretty hefty chunk of Steve's market share, and I think Discord is going to probably not do that. That's my guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my only worry is that Discord overinvests in this and then kind of and we'll tanks, and be, then because yeah. I fucking love Discord, so. so the thing is
2: like, if they, the, it is weird to me that they they have like no mechanisms to monetize their whole. The whole thing that they did in the first place, and you you'll notice know also every time they make an announcement about selling games, they're very careful to spend at least half of that same announcement talking about how they're still going to be investing in the thing that they actually came out to do first, which was make a good voice and chat client, right? Yeah, and so it feels it's like they got those kind of weird things they've messed too together, many things and too they, many could many cooks. Have, they could have monetized the fuck out of out of their actual platform and like in ways that weren't gross. They absolutely yeah. could have done it because I mean, and they did it with Nitro. That was just Nitro was a little bit too pointless, right? Uh, or no, it wasn't pointless enough actually, right? <laughs> but if they if they actually it was in the Uncanny Valley, it was of the Uncanny Valley. <laughs> but if they actually had like real things that you you know, real services that were clearly costly or whatever that they then like provided at a premium or whatever, or or just shit like letting you modify your servers to a larger degree if you spend some money to get access to you know some editing features, custom backgrounds and shit
0: like that. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, we'll see. Um, All right. Let's get on to talking about life, talking about the world, talking about people. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, I've been reading this book called Selfie. Yeah. You mentioned it a few times. What about it? By Will Storr. It's called Selfie, but it's not about selfies. It's not about social media. It's about the self and about where are – Co- where our concept of self comes from, what even is yourself, uh, how are you a conscious person, all that shit. Is, is there any
2: reference in the book whatsoever to selfie as we know it today? To the, the,
0: like the social media Like the taking a picture of, a, of yourself. Uh, I think there are some. Okay, good. Because I was going to say like – I'm
2: trying to figure out if that's a good sell or a bad sell to call it – because like I would actually actively avoid a book called Selfie.
0: Yeah, I think it was a bad move. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Yeah. And so I think we talked maybe a week or two ago about this, this elephant rider metaphor mm-hmm. about the idea that you are actually not really fully in control of yourself. Um, and really you're kind of just like gently trying to steer this giant beast that's kind of doing its own thing. Um, and most of the time you're not really actually succeeding at it. <clears throat> so one of the more interesting. Uh, 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 concepts in this selfie book is the idea of the personal narrator. Mm. And this is the idea that actually you might not be in control of this elephant at all, like Mm. just at at all. So instead what you are is you're a, you're a storyteller riding the elephant with no control over it. And instead convincing yourself that this is where you wanted to go the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. So, So they, they did some experiments back in the '60s with patients who had uh, split brain mm-hmm. surgeries. So this this was the lobotomies, right? Where they would they Not would a lobotomy.
1: That's no. a different split thing. brain is when you you slice the corpus callosum, which is the tissue that binds the left right. right. right yes. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. D- okay, different things. Yeah. Um, so this this was to prevent like some kind of major seizures that would happen. Mm-hmm. And apparently it did do that, but it also had these bizarre side effects because once your two halves of your brain don't communicate directly with each other, then uh, it turns out that each part of your brain d- takes care of sort of different subject matter mm-hmm. and weird things happen. Uh, and so what they, what they discovered in this experiment was that uh, – that I can't remember which half of the brain it is, but but this sort of like self-narration thing – Occurs in, in one part of your like one half of your brain. Yeah. It's gonna be the left side because your because it's language. it would be the left. Yeah. All right, so left side. So so they and and your eyeballs go to the opposite side. Yeah, you're mirrored. Yeah. So. so they found that that if they basically uh sort of like put a divider in the front of the front of the person's face so that each eye was sort of like seeing different things, they could <clears throat> show the person a set of instructions uh, in their left eye, which would then go to the right side of their brain. And they would start doing that thing and then they would ask the person why they were doing it and they would always have a, a reason. Even but it wasn't well,
2: because they just read some instructions.
0: Right. So they so the instruction would be like, get up and go to the next room and the person would stand up and start walking and, and then the, the test – the director would be like, where, where are you going? And they're like, I'm thirsty. I'm going to go get some water. <laughs> um, <laughs> right.
1: And so, so, they're, so they're fitting a narrative around what is actually uncontrolled behavior. Yes.
0: Yeah, so, unknown base. So the, the and the so the basic idea is you know you start doing a thing generally against your own will, um, and then you just kind of explain it. Mm-hmm. You're like, yeah, of course was, that is, that assumes that by that severing your two halves
2: of your brain didn't change where the instructions are coming from. Right, right. Because there's no reason why they couldn't have been coming from the other side of the brain in the first place. Right. Therefore, like, mm-hmm. well, yeah. So common.
0: so I think I think the so this is this is kind of the idea behind this experiment was basically. Saying like there's there's something going on here in the sense that uh that people have a remarkable capacity to explain why they're doing things even if they have never actually made a decision that they that they're consciously aware of about why they're doing that thing um and so so I was thinking i was, I was kind of in like a weird spot this weekend, and it's something that I've been kind of struggling with for a few months at least about like when I'm at work working on butterscotch stuff. I'm having a great time. I'm part of a team. I've got a clear sense of direction. I come in. I've got all kinds of projects I'm working on. And then when I go home, I kind of – I don't have that stuff. Mm-hmm. I kind of float around and and for the longest time, I had like a – I had a suite of projects that I was working on. Um, so maybe like playing the piano or learning how to build electronics or that kind of stuff. And over time – I kind of drifted away from doing those things and ended up in a, a set of default states that were very like passive kinds of, of behaviors, like maybe just like find a new show to watch on Hulu or something, and then just like watch through that whole thing, um, or like find a, a fiction book series and just you know read through that voraciously. And so uh, th- and these are all totally passive activities that I don't really care about. Not requiring a lot of self-direction, basically, to get it. Yeah. yeah. And and I found that that I was kind of, like, dreading going home mm-hmm. because I would have to figure out what to do, and I would know that I would invariably end up not doing anything that I really cared about and instead doing one of these things. And it's really been, like, emotionally sort of bearing on me, mm-hmm. this, this uh, general, like, fl- floatiness or, like, feeling like I'm just kind of drifting. And one of the things that I – as I was reading this book, I started thinking, like reflecting on my own sort of internal narration of this stuff. And I realized that it, that I had sort of like gotten into this weird place where I had convinced myself that I don't care about like playing the piano. I don't mm-hmm. care about learning calculus. I don't care about like uh, learning another programming language. Because if I did care about those things, then I would be doing them, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, as opposed to the idea that I wasn't doing them because I'm a person and I have this like dopamine drip that comes from uh, like short-term satisfaction rewards right. like, like watching a YouTube video or something like that. Um, and that your brain will always build habits around the path of least resistance unless you actively push against it. Well, the path of most reward actually. The path of most reward, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> With the least amount of effort. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so so I realized that basically at some point a while back – I had allowed one of these bad habits to creep in uh, and that started crowding out the things that I wanted to be doing. You mean because it essentially convinced you that you didn't actually want to do any of these things. Yes. Because because I talked myself into thinking that that there was no point to doing these things. Because so, I was like, I'm never going to be a concert pianist. So why the fuck would I play the piano? Mm-hmm. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, I'm not going to be like a robotics engineer, so why would I learn how to do that? Right. I'm not going to be a chef, so why would I make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? Exactly. <laughs> um, and so I'm not going to be a human, so why would I stop being a blob? Yeah. Cash? And so, so it was interesting because, like, so then, so I read this book and mm-hmm. like yesterday I was kind of drifting around and I and I had that kind of I don't know if you guys have experienced this, but we're like you've got a you've got a couple of things on your mind. We're like, yeah, I definitely want to do these things today or whatever, and then you just keep not doing it. Oh yeah, right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I it's still have like not
2: installed my bidet.
0: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, get
2: on there because I want to use
1: it. Yeah. Yeah. So, I'm, I'm not solging it for you to use. Well, but maybe it'll give you some extra, you know, <laughs>
2: kick in the pants to or do. maybe it. it'll give me an extra kick not in the pants. And so, and yeah. so like so yesterday. Them, it's kinda <laughs> something gross about it, you know? Someone's gotta be able to use it. So yesterday <laughs> I
0: had I had nothing to do, and I still didn't do the things that I wanted to mm. do. Right. And so this kind of like led to this crisis point. Yeah, I hate those days. Yeah. They happen sometimes. And so, and I, and so, I started like I really dug deep, and so I did a bunch of journaling, and I was like, and I was kind of reflecting on what I was reading in this book, and I was like, I I think I see what's happened, mm. you know, where I've I've over the over several months, I've developed a suite of bad habits, and then I have I have rationalized those bad habits into changing my opinion about the things that I really actually care about to make me not care about them, so that I would feel less bad about not doing them, mm. right. Oh, another question is: as
2: a consequence, do you truly not care about them now, right? Because because like, yeah, like, you could take it either
0: direction. Yeah, <laughs> is, is it is it a lie that
2: you don't care about it, or is it that that your brain is telling yourself, or has your brain successfully convinced yourself to not
0: care? No, about it? because because what I did was then I I was like, okay, what what do I care about? And of course, maybe maybe I don't care about like doing electronics or whatever. Uh, I think there's something like a, on a deeper level, which is I care about building things. That's something that I love doing, right? I care about – yeah, I care about like learning new things. I care about working as part of a a team. I care about making interesting, meaningful progress toward goals. I care about being challenged, you know? And so basically I kind of like laid down my value system and then I laid down a list of all of the activities that I normally do on a weekend or an evening or something. And I was like, fuck, none of these line up at all with the things that I actually care about. Um, which would then explain why I feel like I'm just kind of in like a mindless, stupid fog, right? Mm. Uh, so so then like once you frame it in terms of like how do my how do the things I'm doing square up against the things I care about, then you realize there's no connection there. Then it makes it much easier to just right. start doing other things, you know. I so. I so I turned in my final
1: uh, art assignment on Saturday night, 10 p.m. Um, and this is for those two classes I've been taking for the last uh, eight or nine weeks, and. The combination of the two classes has added between like eight and sixteen hours of artwork outside of the studio for these courses. And so I turned the final one in on Saturday and I was so excited to be done with it, because I was like, oh my gosh!" So I turned in. And then I woke up on Sunday. And my ritual for the last two months on Sunday has been wake up, finish some other assignment, because the other one used to be due on Monday. Um, and then start the next week's lecture series for the other class. So I would do art for at least four to five hours on Sunday as well. And I woke up and I was just You were just probably like, like, yes, I don't have to do it. Well, yeah. I was like, yes, this is awesome. And then I was just sitting there and then I was like, what do I <laughs> – what do I want to do today? And so I had a similar thing but it was a little bit different because um, I sort of – I think because I've had some pent up stuff that I've been wanting to do but haven't had the time to do. And so made my list um, and then just went downstairs basically – Right. Because
2: those were things you – that – you were being told not to do in effect. Right. Yeah. So like, right. So yeah.
1: That makes sense. So yeah, I went, went downstairs and read for like two and a half hours. I haven't read a book in a while. So I was reading and then uh, came back upstairs and did some, some more reading and some journaling and some other stuff. Basically things that I have not been able to do for like two months. Um, but I did hit on this interesting thing. This has happened before between, between projects that I've had like in my personal life. Uh, There's one point I think during the summer, right? I had a, a two week sort of gap between the big things I was working on. and, in those cases, if I don't have a – if I don't have a structure to sort of be applying myself to where I, there's a thing I want to do and then I have sort of laid out the roadmap and then just start working on it, then I definitely hit this sort of weird drift point where I'm just kind of like – kind of, I just kind of start existing in a very strange way and then I get very mopey about it.
0: Yeah. If you if you haven't made an active decision about your goals and, and the structure of how you're going to get to those things, mm-hmm. then you end up just going down whatever is the easiest, quickest reward. Which is invariably something on the internet. Yeah. But the thing is like you can uh, there are
1: some times where I've decided to be like, all right, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna fuck around for like today, you know. And then those are usually really fun days. But if it's, it's the days where, like you said, where you have You haven't decided anything. Or where you have this feeling, like I feel like I want to be working on these things, but
0: then you just don't for yeah. some reason. Um those are the worst by far. Yeah, but but this this kind of speaks to that that. The idea that you are driven oftentimes by things that you don't necessarily understand or recognize, um, and so maybe it's like the the addictive craving of a, of the dopamine drip of like going through you know Reddit or or Twitter mm-hmm. or whatever, um, and that's what you that's what your like brain really wants to do right now. And consciously you're like, yeah, but I got to do this laundry. And so instead what you'll do is you'll you'll definitely not do the the laundry and you'll also avoid doing the, the obviously bad thing the obviously bad thing and instead you'll pick a third bad thing. It's like <laughs> you're like yep. and so instead you'll go on YouTube or something else because be like, well at least I'm not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so you know you you feel like you're in control of the situation but really you just kind of like read you're you're like slowly angling your brain's bad impulses towards some other bullshit. Um mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, I mean it's just kind of an interesting way to think about things. Yeah. So I'm doing so they
2: are. I mean the, the framing is interesting though, right? Because it's not that those are bad impulses from your brain, right? At all. It's just it's just a thing your brain wants to do. The reason it's bad is because it's incongruent with what it's the outcome. some part of you has a has like a longer term goal of some right. sort that is directly contradicted by your brain's natural tendency just to be amused, right? Yeah. And so so it's not it's not bad at all to be amused or to seek amusement. We just – we feel like it's bad because we want to be – we want to we have want done to be, other we things. We want
0: to be better than that. Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> we, will, we want to be more than that. Yeah. Because again, it's not – I don't we think it's, w- don't think it's a good bad thing. I think it's just like there there's like this – there's this other thing you could be doing which is not just being amused. Yeah.
0: Right? I've always felt like the word consumer should be a bad word. Like the – like you could be a builder or a creator or a thinker or whatever – but being a consumer, like that's the lowest form of of like activity, mm. right? Like you just it's just being amused, or consume like you're eating, you're eating, you're watching, you're just like absorbing well, materials. I, mean, I, I don't know if
1: it needs like a it needs like a moralistic thing applied to it because like it's a thing that everybody does. Well, I know, but it yeah. is enjoyable. Yeah. Like I don't think it's bad to be very good at, for example, enjoying delicious food or great television or whatever else. Um, I think it's it's just the case that if. If you land in a – I mean it's, it typically is how it works for most things, which is like if you land in a camp where that – where your identity is solely defined
0: by It's all – well, it needs to be – One verb. verb.
1: Yeah, then it needs to be yeah. about balance
0: you yeah. know, because yeah. like yeah. you – of course you have to consume. You have to – you have to take breaks from things. You have to eat. You've good, gotta not, do, you got to do – you only gotta, is it like I
1: have to. I'm saying like it's very – minus the, like the necessity part of it. Like it's very fun to do these things, right? To like hop in and play WoW for 10 hours or like go see a new movie or read – we read a fantasy book whatever else. Um like beyond the, the the need for it, I think like it's – it is good to develop both, you know, your own taste and like enjoy these – the frankly, the, the fact that you're alive, which to me is what consuming is. But it's kind of like if you – if that's the only thing you do, it's like it's like more of a hedonistic lifestyle, right? Which kind of, you know, at the end of the day
0: – slurping down. Yeah, <laughs> if, if at the end of the day, the
1: only thing you're doing is like maximizing just your happiness um, along these sort of consumption dimensions. Then, you know, maybe there's some other stuff to do.
0: But well, also, you also who cares? I don't know if you're perfectly well, I mean, happy. Yeah, for, I don't get for me, it just the it bothered me the idea that you know, kind of forecasting out. I'm like, okay, I'm 31, mm-hmm. uh, and I've got like at least 40 more years yeah. of just like good ass kicking mm-hmm. to do out in the world. Which means I'm not even halfway there yet, and really, I've only been a person for like 11 years. Yeah, you know, yeah. So, uh, because as, as we all know, as soon, before the age of 20, nothing counts. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all just experiments at that point.
2: That was just you forming.
0: Yeah. You're still forming, mm-hmm. forming your brains. Um, and so I'm really just, just getting started. And what pissed me off was the idea that I would just, for some reason, be totally satisfied <laughs> with where I'm at and just be like, yep, that's it for me. Like, I'm just not gonna, yeah, not gonna add anything to this. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was kind of the, the road that I started walking down, just being like, yeah, this is fine now. It's just coasting time. Right. So, uh, but again, it all comes down to your values. So yeah, what do you want to, what do you want to do? If you made a decision about it, then go do that thing. Mm-hmm. But if you haven't made a decision, then maybe take a step back and, and do that. Um, all right, let's get on to some questions. We are sort of over time, but you know, we can hit a question. Mm-hmm. I feel like, uh, this question, all right. Questions come from podcast.bscotch.net. So if you'd like to get your question on to a future episode, get over there and do that. First question and only question it comes from <laughs> peanut enut. What is the stance on parallel universes in your B-Scotch universe? Are there alternate versions of Flux? Are your games in the same multiverse as us? Mm. All right. We need some definitions so, here. I, well, I think so- the first
2: thing to say is we haven't consciously made any decisions with respect to any of these questions. So right.
0: We're about to riff on it <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'll put that verb in there. um yeah so i think that the idea is that in some of the marvel universes and stuff they do like right, in the marvel universe they, they'll sometimes just parallel split it so this new spider-man movie into the spider-verse is literally this idea um which is that there's actually many of these universes and there's like a different spider person in each one i think there's a spider pig involved at some point also <laughs> so yeah um so i think that's kind of the question it's like are there are there sort of those weird mirrors of this place? I else? would
2: say yes, but that's only because it makes it really easy to retcon stuff. Yes, and also, which is also why that is how the Marvelverse works.
1: Because you know what happened was probably so I, th- I saw one where it was, I think all of uh, all of the X Men were zombies. Oh, really? Which is like a horrifying right. comic.
0: And if that really did happen, then now they're all dead. So that's well, That's true. But like, they. the rest of the X Men stories kind of. basically to me, it's
1: one of those things where they, every so often the creator's like, you know, it'd be fun. Yeah, what if. And then, you know, they twist like the. What if the Joker and the Batman were actually like swapped in terms of their. Which one is the hero and which one is the villain? What would that mm-hmm. look like? And they're like, what's – Split the universe,
0: make it a yes. yeah. So they just yeah. do it. Yeah,
2: because that, that way the answer never has to be no because we already did X. You know, now right.
0: now, now the answer can always so be yes. As I understand it, this is where the term like something being canon comes from, right? Because yeah. you've got the the actual core story that is supposed to be the real thing, mm-hmm. and that's that's canon. And then everything else, you can have all these weird offs And right. now I think those are all canon, aren't they? I think that
1: if as long as they're, they're made can- by the, if it's made by the canonically
0: the
2: official authority on the subject yeah i think they're all canon it's all canon they're
1: okay. all different universes i guess yeah but to me it's just it's just a place to play so yeah i think
0: uh, i would say 100% i would say those. the Crashlands, quad like all the stuff in the in the butterscotch universe um, um is already a part of the multiverse because these games are they are simulated abstractions of what really happened mm. right I mean, sure, I guess. Because I think about, you know, you play you play a game like Skyrim or something. And it's like, oh, you want to go from town to town? All right, it's a two minute walk. That's not really how far it really is, mm-hmm. you know, in, in reality, because it's a real place, of course. Right. Um, and it, and it needs to be a condensed simulation so that you feel like you walked for a long time because it's a long distance. Do so you think this is why, in the real world, when you hop in an airplane, no matter how far the
1: flight is, you tend to arrive tired? Because it's actually, you know, it's a simulation of what's happening. It's because of so all the make loading. You feel like, yeah, yeah. Make you feel like you did a lot of stuff to get there. When in reality, it was just fast
0: travel. Sort yeah. of situation. But, I think,
2: but if I'm understanding you correctly, you're saying that then you being in the airplane is now you being in a different universe.
0: No, I'm saying if you were to make, saying a game, I'm saying if you were to make a game that had like New York City and St. Louis and Chicago, whatever then you would like get in your car and drive like 2 minutes down the road yeah yeah
2: but but you're saying that the that the simulation of the universe is is the
0: universe itself
2: then in this no case
0: <laughs> i'm saying a game a game about a thing is is never the true story. Oh, yeah, man, of course. Like it's a, always, a story is never the true story. Right. right.
2: It's, it's, it's always it's – a, It's a, it's it's a, it's a an summary ab, and a simulation of it. It's an thing. abstraction
0: of the real thing. But that doesn't actually
2: answer the question about multiverses because the question is, does, oh, does so Crashlands and Quadrupus and – does all take place in the same universe? Because of course it's true that our story, the way that we told each one of those stories yeah. does not reflect the, the reality the – real, The real story. Of, of the story. <laughs> but – I don't think that that has – unless I'm very confused. I think that has no bearing on whether or not it's a multiverse. I think you're right. right? Yeah, yeah. That's right. probably true. Okay, cool. I just so was trying to figure out where
1: – it's just going. I was trying to
0: figure out <laughs> to,
2: the relationship, <laughs> which is fine. Tangents are great. I just wasn't sure if it was a tangent. Unless
0: right? there's a multiverse where all the characters truly exist in video games. Right.
2: Well, but I think it's an important and question. Then, is in this universe in which our, our, our creatures live, uh, is that inside of video games actually? It could be because you're saying a story does not is, a, is an approximation of the truth. Is that actually true?
0: For they just live in a game universe. and they totally know that that's yeah. Like they, I've been lost for about two minutes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> do they know or not know?
1: Um, I don't know. The long and the short of it is yes. Multiverses because we want to have room to play. Yeah, that's we haven't made use of them answer. on
0: purpose. Correct. But at some point, but I reserve the right to We so. wanted to be able to do that. Well, we do. I mean, we do have the Crashlands comic. Mm-hmm. Which, but well, that's just like a different point in time. It's a different point in time. It's not a multiverse. It's not a multiverse. No. <laughs> so we we haven't no. done any. So Gerblins, that's part of it. Yeah, it's all the same. Freeway weird. mutant. It'd be like if Goop we, Legacy. If it's uh-huh. almost.
1: It's more like if you flipped into like the upside down. That's what a multiverse is, right? Where it's like the same place but has different rules and is kind of, and it's got
0: aliens. Well, no, idea. because yeah. the upside down is part of the same universe. Cause that's how the characters exist in it. They can, it's a place they can go. Well, I, the, but multiverse, also, so the multiverse is like a
2: separate, but complete. not in the case of Spider-Man enter the multiverse.
1: Yeah. The whole idea with the multiverse, oftentimes is that you can, sometimes you merge them because why not? Cause that's fun. You know? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I, even think, I, think the, I think the story of the witcher is actually the same, which is like, if the, I think what happens in the witcher series is that the, their normal human world gets which only occasionally sort of lines up with this other crazy world where all the monsters are like werewolves assuming and
0: stuff. that the human world is the normal one and the monster world Yes yeah, the maybe they were world. having a good peaceful time over there we fucked it all yeah, up Yeah, each one is a normal as far one. as i understand about humans humans are always the ones who create chaos and it's generally true zaniness. but the
1: story is that they like they only occasionally would pass each other which is why sometimes you'd have like a werewolf sort of slip through in one of these moments and then at some point they got locked Together, and so it sort of it sort of smashed mm. these two parallel places together in a way that you know causes me.
0: I want to hear a story from the other multiverse where it's a multiverse, it's a universe of werewolves, and then they're all freaked out because this weird hairless—that's uh, basically Planet of the Apes. – just showed up. <laughs> and they're With all the they're all Planes freaked the out about it, yeah. Because you know, why wouldn't you be? Yeah. It'd be wild, yeah. It'd be wild if you saw a person walking around. <laughs> <laughs> actually,
2: reminds me that there's that uh, episode of Rick and Morty because because they're, they're always going through parallel uni- or multi- mm-hmm, yeah. multiverse, right? And there's that one where where it's like furn- like what is it? It's like people are just furniture. Oh yeah, it's like all the inanimate objects are actually the sentient I think beings. It's the,
0: where people are chairs. They're
2: like yeah, they're mm-hmm. chairs and stuff. So like so so then then people are like posed as chairs and stuff, and then there are like phones sitting on them, and they're and like they're eating, <laughs> they're eating like. Cassette tapes. <laughs> it's
0: just fucking weird. yeah, I mean, they, they really play with this idea though of the uh, inverting it a little bit. Yeah, I'm inverting all this. Yeah, it's so we'll probably have that. We'll have some version of our game where everybody's a chair. Yeah, but yeah. in
2: that scene though, when the people are walking, because they're like Rick and Morty are walking around, and all the all the chairs are fucking freaked out. They're like staring out the window with these like horrified <laughs> looks. <laughs> so so,
0: yeah. so there's all this really fucking crazy YouTube video called "Too Many Cooks." which is a parody of of like 80s sitcom opening scenes mm. where the characters like their names appear on the screen and then they like look at and then they smile and then but the in the in this parody thing it just keeps going and like more and more people keep showing up and it gets really dark like there's a murder that happens during this <laughs> thing and then at some point the people become the subtitles, and then there are these like words walking around, and the people appear <laughs> as a subtitle, and they're just screaming because <laughs> they're like, tr- <laughs> like, "Yeah, I think that's a good slip
1: uh, into a multiverse yeah. sort of situation." Yeah,
0: yeah, it's uh, you can be careful. I wouldn't recommend watching it. It's pretty, it's pretty weird. So, huh. anyways, uh, I think that's all the time we have for this week. We'd like to thank our producer Fat Bard for making the sound good. Thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord running. If you'd like to get more involved in the Butterscotch community, you can hop into our Discord server over at discord.gg bscotch. Also, if you would like to adorn your body with Butterscotch merch, you can check out the shop over at shop.bscotch.net. If you'd like to send us something, we've got a mailbox, which you can find the address for over at mailbox.bscotch.net. Last but not least, uh, if you want us to grab your money, you can uh, do that over at moneygrab.bscotch.net. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.
2: Goodbye.